Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Pac 12 Conference not getting a lot of respect in the Associated Press Top 25 poll, but getting some wins nonetheless. Oregon State going to Fresno State, winning. Uh, big weekend coming up with Michigan State traveling to Washington. For a game, uh, Washington's a small favorite in that game, despite uh, not being ranked. Uh, Oregon is hosting BYU. The two late games on Saturday, as I mentioned earlier, uh, BYU-Baylor and Oregon State-Fresno State. Uh, But uh, the Pac-12 got a massive win in Big Ten country earlier in the day as Washington State pulled it off. Cam Ward on offense, Jake Dickert's defense, They went to Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin, and won on the road as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog in that game. They won the game outright. Here to talk about it, Jake Dickert, Washington State coach. What did your phone look like? I have to know, what did your phone look like after the game as you get in? I'm assuming you go back to the locker room, you pull your cell phone out, you got to have a million messages from people saying, hey, congratulations. Well, John, I appreciate you having me on and spreading the coup love. I mean, it was a it was a fun moment. There, there was quite a few, and uh, it was family, it was friends, and it was coups everywhere that were celebrating a good, hard-fought win by the team. The you know it, it, that is a difficult place to play, and I know that the, the points were hard to come by in the game. The adjustments you made at halftime defensively, it seemed like you you got some things going. Your offense did enough. How did you feel at halftime, and and what was the second half like for you and your team? I think the best thing about halftime was there was a belief within our team that we were right where we wanted to be and that we were going to keep swinging. And uh, that's what you saw. And the big momentum swing came out of the half to get a big return, you know, which led to points, which created positivity. And uh, like I said, I just thought we just kept churning. The the sideline was positive. Uh, We got a big play uh, from the offense down the sideline when we needed it. And then uh, a couple takeaways late to really seal the game and to be able to run out the clock and one of the best defenses in the country uh, was was a special moment uh, for our offense, and it sealed the game. Your defense was very disruptive, active. I mean, you were in the backfield. You had some guys that were making plays. Uh, some of that is scheme, but some of that is your guys as well. Uh, what was working for you guys, and, and did you expect that defense would be the early identity this season? Well, I think the biggest thing I took away is the effort piece. And effort's a lot of things. I thought our guys played hard. That's one. But I thought there was a toughness, a fortitude uh, to strain that they played with. And they played physical. And this has been a three-year build, John, you know, on the defensive side of the ball to get to this point, uh, to return all of our major players up front. We knew they would be really the strength of our defense. And, uh, you know, through the first couple games, that has proven to be true. And they need to continue to play at a high level uh, because we have some depth uh, there. And, you know, the Cougs won this game. It wasn't just the defense. It was offense, defense. It was special teams. And, and that's what I'm proud of because our, our players are buying into a team concept. The environment there, uh, I've covered games there. It's crazy. Um, 
Did you did you wonder prior to the game how your guys would react, or did you know they would be okay in that setting? Well, we talked about it early in camp. Uh, we had a couple of days where we worked Wisconsin, and we addressed it then. And then I think guys understand the moment. They understand the levity of a big game and in the moment. So it wasn't something that we harped on, but they love it. They cherish it. That's why. That's why you come to Washington State. You want to play in these environments. And to go into Big Ten country and get a win uh, was something that was special. But I, I don't think it was ever too big for our guys or it distracted them. You know, we were really focused on the task at hand, and that was what every uh, man had to do on that football field for our team to be successful. Cam Ward has been good. He had some moments. Uh, you know, it was, to me it was kind of a an interesting test, and I, I saw some grit from him. Uh, how is he adapting? Where is he right now in his progression as far as where you need him to be and where he is? I think that's the perfect word. I, I thought it was a gritty performance. It wasn't perfect. He'll be the first one to admit that, and he's the first one to want to get back in here and work and to find out how he can get better. Uh, so that's what I love about a mature competitor. Uh, but there were some times you know, that weren't uh, plays that show up in the stat sheet, but he avoids brushes, he avoids negative plays, and he throws the ball away. Uh, so those are as big as anything, and he just has great pocket presence and made some plays down the sideline. Obviously, finding the key late in the flat off of the scramble play uh, was a game-breaker at that point in the football game. So I'm pleased with the way Cam's playing, and we just need to continue to elevate uh, our play on offense as we continue to go throughout the season, and, and we're game two uh, so far, so we're learning a lot about ourselves and and who can play at a certain level and what we got to do to get these guys in the best positions possible to be successful. I'll tell you, I wanted to pick you guys in the upset. I talked about it all summer. I was looking at that game. I go, you know, I think Washington State can go in there and win. And then I watched the opener against Idaho, and I went, gosh, they didn't look great. You know, it was kind of a mixed bag. What happens week one to week two every year? You're a coach. You're in it. I think the biggest thing is it's the biggest improvement that your team will ever make uh, because you got to realize, John, I mean, we got about uh, out of 75 travelers, really about 45 to 50 of those guys are brand-new guys to the program or young freshman kids, you know, so they're no longer rookies. You know, we've had some guys, you know, our, our starting uh, right guard has now played two games. You know, our backup receivers have now played. Uh, defensive guys that are rolling in, they're no longer freshmen, and you can never replicate as a coach game experience that's where your best learns come from so mature people look themselves hard in the mirror and they say this is what i need to do to get better and they go out and do it and i felt like that was the process that our guys are starting to believe in and and that's something that we'll continue to work on as we go throughout the season you know how the nfl has the preseason i've always wondered you know with college games i know you scrimmage but would it be worthwhile to have a crossover scrimmage to let you guys and other teams get some of that out of your system? Or logistically, is that a nightmare at the college level to try to do something like that? It's always been talked about, and, and they've always you know, thrown about maybe in the spring. Uh, you could do it instead of a spring game. I'd be really for that. Um, you know, They talked about maybe in fall camp doing crossover practices like the NFL. We would have an ideal setup between us and Idaho. If mm-hmm. eight miles away, we could come and do it and go. Um, but I think just like you see in the NFL, when you do that sort of stuff, it seems like fights break out and tempers <laughs> flares. So yeah. um, until then, you know, everyone just wants to get, when you get to fall camp, their best players to game day. And that's kind of trickling down throughout all levels of football. So it's a tough blend, uh, but it is really good for young players to get out there and play. Washington State coach Jake Dickert with us there, 2-0. and um, You know, I, I expected you guys in Oregon State to maybe sneak into the top 25. 
I, I think the voters on the eastern part of the country are asleep right now to the Pac-12, and there's something going on there. But were you surprised you didn't get more votes? I'll be honest with you, John. I don't know if we receive votes. I don't know if we're ranked. I, I just control what we can control. <laughs> I love it. I, I'll leave that up to you. You can talk about that type of stuff. I'm just focused on Colorado State. Yeah, it gives me something to talk about. Uh, look, you got Colorado State. Uh, what do you expect from them? you got a lot of Washington State fans who make the trip from our from our area or, or are listening via podcast in, in Pullman there. What do you expect uh, this weekend with Colorado State coming to town? I think it's an example of a new era of college football, right? The, the coach was at Nevada. He takes half of the offense to Colorado State. We have their old defensive coordinator and two of their old players. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic that you run into sometimes. But, you know, I think they have a wide receiver, uh, number 14, that can play anywhere in the country. And they got a quarterback that has now been in the second year in this system. And, uh, you know, I think they, they're they dangerous. And uh, I think they got a really good front four defensive, uh, defensively. So, you know, we got to make sure that we're ready uh, and our standard and preparation is ready for a good competitive football game uh, 60 minutes this Saturday here in Pullman. So uh, they have our full attention. And like I said, we flushed the tape this morning. We've learned from the Wisconsin game, and, and it's going to be a battle come Saturday here in the Palouse. Feels a lot better flushing the tape when you're coming off a W, though, doesn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It looks like it's far from perfect, and, and you still won the game. Yeah. Uh, that, that's where their best learns come from. All right. Uh, you got conference play coming up in a couple weeks. Oregon at Washington State for that opener on the 24th. Is there a point of emphasis, something you need to get settled in this Colorado State game that will help you for conference play? Yeah, taking care of the football. You know, I think that's the biggest thing uh, that we need to make sure we're doing and sustaining drives, you know, so – those things really go hand-in-hand, hand and, and we just got to clean up some of the communication defensively uh, to make sure that we're not hurting ourselves. So those are all things we can control, and that's what I'm excited about. I, I think we can still make strides and get better, and uh, I think we got a football team that wants to continue to grow, and there's an understanding that last week was just a, a step in our journey. It was definitely not the destination. All so. Right. I'm excited about those things. Yeah, you started at Wisconsin Stevens Point. You went to high school in Oconto, Wisconsin. Did you have Did you have a whole bunch of old friends in the crowd? Yeah, there was about 200 uh, that ended up making the trip uh, from really all over the country. Family, friends. Uh, my former coach at UW Stevens Point came from Orlando, Florida. My high school coach was there. I mean, there's just uh, a good contingent, all wearing Coop's gear. That was uh, pretty fun to watch. We talked about this at Media Day. Uh, you know, this is now your team. You were in the interim role, kind of taken over under less than ideal circumstances. But I thought you did a great job last year. How different is it now that you've had two games? You're the guy. You know, it's from the beginning, from spring ball. It was all, you know, your vision, your ideas. How different does that feel this season? It feels very different. And it's very different on game day, too, you know, because the first couple games I've learned, like, you're – you're not calling the plays. Like you're managing the game. You're making sure there's a million different things that are going on that I can now uh, give my focus to. And I can now try to be the leader that the team needs. And I've hired a great coaching staff that are pouring into our young men each and every day. So, you know, I think you're starting to see the fruits of some labor of who we want to be as a football team. And that's the ability to win games in a lot of different ways. Okay? And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't imagine we could have beat Wisconsin 17-14. Right, and we'll need to continue to grow and get better, and and grow our program and our culture, and and hopefully, you know, trying to 
you know, formulate building blocks that uh, build a good foundation for our football program for a long time. It's hard to win games in college football. I mean, I don't think people understand how difficult it is. You're now sitting at 2-0. and uh, I'm a big believer in celebrating life's victories, the big ones, the little ones. Kids get a report card, you celebrate it. Get a raise, you celebrate it. You know, what did you do with the family to celebrate this W? Well, I, I wish they were here. They they were out there at Wisconsin, and they stayed there for a couple extra days. <laughs> so uh, they're just getting back today, and uh, i got to get my kids back to school. But we, we celebrated with everybody after the game, kind of in the parking lot, and a lot of hugs and pictures and, and old memories. So... Uh, I just I'm, I'm excited to finally uh, get home tonight and and just kind of be with them for a little while. I appreciate you giving us some time. Good luck to you this week against Colorado State, and uh, I will probably see you in a couple weeks when Oregon visits. Thanks, Coach. Uh, sounds good, John. Go Cougs. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You got to celebrate your wins. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you, listening to this radio show. Your kids get a good report card or a favorable report card. Something breaks your way. Your teenager gets a job. Uh, gets into a college that they wanted to get into. Celebrate. Celebrate that stuff. Football teams are good at celebrating. You watch them, they celebrate after every play. First down, touchdown, our ball, made field goal. They're jumping around. Everybody, they jump around, they celebrate. We always go, oh, why are they celebrating? The game's not over. I'll tell you why, because it's hard. Life is hard, too. Think about Think about it. There's something in your day or your kid's day that happened today that's worth celebrating. We, I, I didn't used to do a good job at this. i got to give Anna the credit. But, you know, we'll go for ice cream after dinner because the kids got, you know, we got a nice note from your teacher. Let's go celebrate. Like, football teams get to celebrate all the time. But Washington State, 2-0, and not in the top 25. Oregon State, not in the top 25. A little bit of East Coast bias, I think, lingering. But that was a great win for the Pac-12 Conference. Washington State beating Wisconsin outright as a 17.5-point underdog. I want you to leave it here. You got the bald face truth statewide on the BFT radio network. Remember to celebrate. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Anna's in the studio. Anna, I got to ask you about something that you, uh, that you tweeted out over the weekend. You tweeted out that you uh, you were happy that all the teams won in the state of Oregon. You're just happy that all the teams won. Well, PSU didn't win, but Oregon State did, and Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you tweeted it. I mean, yeah. I don't have to explain it. Like, but <laughs> what what is that about? You said it was simple, or what? It, what you. I just like I. I kind of just root for teams from Oregon in general. You know, it makes me happy when the Beavers win, when the Ducks win. And um, I just think it's good for the state. I'm like, I grew up in Portland, and I kind of grew up in an era where nobody still really knew where Portland was. So, like, I, you would travel to other places in the country, and you'd be like, I'm from Portland. And they're like, well, where's that? Somewhere near Seattle? <laughs> that, like, so you grow up with that. And so as Portland, you know, became a place that people actually knew about, uh, so th- there's still part of that that's part of my personality. Do you think that you root for both teams because you didn't go to one of those schools? If you had gone, because what I'm getting at is I'm not sure Duck fan is happy for Beaver fan that Beaver fan won a game and they're two and zero, and you know that that you know there's a chance like I don't know when the last time both teams were ranked, but there's a chance here in another week that Oregon and Oregon State will both be ranked. 
I actually disagree with you. I see and talk to a lot of Duck fans and Beavers fans that root for, you know, the other team. They're not unhappy when the other team wins. Now, yes, it probably matters that I didn't go to either school, so I don't have that sort of diehard, you know, rivalry within me against the other team. But I do, I, I feel like I talk to my fair share of people who say, hey, you know, we're, we're, we actually like it when both teams do well because then the game formerly known as the Civil War actually becomes, you know, a game that matters and is competitive. Do, do we have to keep calling it the former Civil War? I don't know I what mean, to call it. Why haven't we yeah. renamed it yet? Is it, hasn't it been like six years? It's not a high-priority item I mean, <laughs> for these universities, apparently. Some, like, how long ago did they officially say that's not the name and why haven't they rebranded it yet yeah because ed ray was the outgoing president at oregon state and oregon state just got their new president you know after the f king disaster now they have the <laughs> new president who's on the scene now meanwhile michael schill is out at oregon so oregon doesn't have a president yeah like this thing's never gonna get settled this radio show needs to name the damn game i think you put i think you take like dutch bros and you say it's the dutch bros bowl and let Dutch Bros oh. sponsor it, do an NIL deal, whatnot, you know. Do something like that with a company that, that speaks to the entire state of Oregon. Mm. Let them sponsor it. But every, I think everybody's just going to call it the Civil War anyway. Now, this is your opportunity to make it the BFT Bowl. Yes. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm not paying for it, though. If we make it the BFT Bowl, will you march in the marching band like Jimmy no. Kimmel did at the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl? No. Sure, we can make Sean do it. <laughs> just dispatch Sean. Anything for a free ticket. <laughs> Get me into the game. I, I just, I don't know. If we're calling it the game formerly known as the Civil War instead of the Civil War, yeah. I don't really understand how, like... It's not any better. Apologies to the people who think that it was offensive. I know. It's not any less it's, offensive. It's not any less offensive. And I also, <laughs> uh, you know, I want to point out that the beauty of the Civil War was that it ended in the emancipation of slaves you know right, it was a good movement it was a good thing i understand the negative connotation of slavery i get that but i always when i think of the civil war i think about something that broke the right way yeah but isn't the argument that it's too trite to be calling it you know something that was so serious and so impactful and to to label it as such yeah well then let's stop saying <laughs> long bomb in a football game he threw a bomb it was a hail mary like you know those things should be reserved for war and for prayer not a football game okay i don't think that's the same that's not do or die same. that's so not the same that's not you know? the same argument at all <laughs> no but i do think that it is beyond time that we have renamed it because we're all calling it different things you know most i think most people are saying civil war i know they are yeah, yeah. They or are. the game formerly known as civil war right or for a while i said oregon oregon state game yeah but and, and the know. problem really goes back to the fact that they they whoever was in charge of all this just said said we're not going to call it this anymore but then nobody decided what it was going to be called and said like Instead, so that window has passed. Like there was, I think, a finite window for us all to like get on board and make the adjustment to call it something new. But that window, we had about a year to make that happen, and it has long passed. Oregon State's <laughs> president came from UCLA, Jathia Murthy. She's on the job today. It's her first day on the job. Uh huh. 
We should get her on the show today and be like, all right, now that you're here and you're working, top priority item, what are we calling this series? And it's not limited to football. It's a basketball game. There's a baseball game. You know, there's a lot of crossover here. So we can't call it the football game. You know, what's the issue here? Yeah. Let's get this going. Yeah. Let's get on it. You know, there you have it. But I like that, you know, I don't don't know. Guys, do you think Anna's right? Do you think most Duck fans are happy that the Beavers are playing well and Beaver fans look over and go, you know, that was really unfortunate in week one that Oregon didn't beat Georgia. No, I think that Beaver fans are looking over going, yeah, let them have some of that. We had had some of the games like that over the years. And I think Duck fans are probably looking over at Oregon State saying, good, good for Oregon State. But, uh, you know, don't really want them around later in the year when we get around Thanksgiving and we have to play this game formerly known as the Civil War. I, I mean, I'm a Duck fan. I went to Oregon, so I can say that, you know, I'm happy for Oregon State. Like, I know that it's been kind of a long rebuild here, and I know that they kind of hit rock bottom back in, you know, maybe 2016, 2017-ish with Gary Anderson. So I'm definitely happy for them, and it feels like they have their best team in, you know, maybe even a decade. Uh, it feels like they have a really good team this year. Would I have lost sleep if Fresno State ended up winning that game? No, you know. So, I, But that being said, I was happy to see Jack Were Coletta. you rooting? Were you rooting for Oregon State? <sighs> I don't no, I, I was kind of neutral. I, I, maybe I was rooting for Oregon State a little bit, but you know, like, you know, I, I, it didn't matter to me too much. But I'm definitely not spiteful of Oregon State. I think more Duck fans root for Oregon State than Oregon State fans root for Oregon. Mm. Like everyone, yeah. the, all the makes Beaver, sense. Like the Beaver fans that I talk to, they love when Oregon loses. They think it's the funniest thing ever. Where I think Oregon fans, since they've been so far ahead of Oregon State, that they're like, hey, good for this little program to get a nice little win on the road against Fresno State. I got nothing <laughs> against it. Right? Like, on my bone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I think, I think it's more like that. But I think this year also, John, that all the Pac-12 teams are kind of rooting for Pac-12 teams because of the realignment stuff. So they're mm. kind of like branching together against USC, UCLA, and they want any Pac-12 team to win any game. So it's, they've been galvanized by the L.A. schools bolting to the Big Ten. Yes, they've that galvanized by the mm. media money. I'm going to play a couple clips. Here's Mike Parker, voice of the Beavers, who, by the way, happens to be a duck, talking about why the Civil War matters to Oregon State. It never fades in terms of what it means to the players. Their pride was, was really hurt by their 42-point loss at Matthew Knight Arena, and they've been living and stewing on that for a long time. Losses are losses, but in the Civil War, when you lose, it sticks with you a long time. There's Mike Parker. Here's Mike Bellotti, former Duck coach. I just think that this was the most important game because this one, in my mind, was more about what, where, where are you going? At the end of the season, are you are you getting better or are you going the other direction? All right. It happens he's taking a football approach. How about Jonathan Smith? I think what's unique, too, about some of the Northwest, because I've been able to experience a few of them, is like their emphasis on within the state, the state of Oregon, you're a duck or a beef, you know, in Washington or Montana. And I think that's a little bit unique compared to maybe some of the rivalries that are about a couple of states or, or shoot, even in LA, there's so much going on that it's not the, the maybe the most important thing all the time. How about former Oregon coach Mario Cristobal? The fact that uh, Oregon State is playing really good football and they have a really good football team. I think there's so many factors and so many things. The last game for our seniors in Autzen Stadium, I mean, this is everything you would want in a college football game, especially for your last one of the regular season. I think, uh, and I feel very confident, we'll be very dialed and focused in. You know, it's something struck me. Uh, you know, the progression ever since Mark Helfrich left to Willie Taggart, Mario Cristobal, now Dan Lanning at Oregon. You know, Cristobal's talking about the importance of it being the last game, a good opponent. 
You're not talking about 100 plus years of history because he doesn't know it. Nor did Willie Taggart. Nor does Dan Lanning. D- is something lost in this rivalry because, you know, you don't have like DeAndros against, you know, uh, an Oregon coach. I'll just use an example, like a, an Oregon coach like Rich Brooks who has great history or Mike Bellotti who's got history. Uh, you know, Rich Brooks had history on both sides of the rivalry at Oregon and Oregon State. Is something lost because... One of the programs in our state is reaching outside the family, so to speak, to hire their coaches. I I don't think so. Um, you know, I I think there's been there's been great games in this rivalry with you know whatever coaches happen to be coaching the teams. I think you know this rivalry boils down to the fan bases that never changes, the schools that never changes, and you know I think coaches come and go. Um, especially we've seen that with with both these schools over the past decade or so, but. Um, no, I, and I, like we've talked about on the show before, I think Jonathan Smith and Dan Landing are both here to here to stay for for a while. So uh, I, I don't think anything's been lost from this rivalry, and I expect a really really good game this year based on what we're seeing right now. Um, I do actually think that there's something a little bit missing there because they don't have that context. Like if you were to compare, let's say in March Madness, the rivalry between Roy Williams and Mike Shashevsky between you know Duke and North Carolina. Like, that rivalry, because those two coaches were in it for so long, gunning at each other, I think that definitely added something, you know, to the layering of competition and rivalry. How about Pat Kilkenny, kid who grew up in the state of Oregon, became AD at Oregon. Here he is in the wake of a Civil War game talking about it. That was one of the happiest days of my life, Saturday night, and I maybe I'm just that shallow. It was a great night to be a duck, and you know, I don't know about you guys, I was so sick and tired of hearing about the Beavers, and you know, the Beavers are disadvantaged, and we have all this stuff, and that's nonsense. Football's a game of toughness. It isn't about what color your uniform is. We went out in the field and kicked their ass. Barry, I mean, <laughs> tell me that doesn't, that's not a kid from the state of Oregon. <laughs> Talking about Oregon. Here's Tony Graziani, former Oregon quarterback. Sometimes you're sitting in the locker room going, man, I don't know if we're ready, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm not liking the attitude of some of the guys right now. And other times, you know, you, you think you're ready, and you come out, and you just lay an egg. Some of it has to do with the other team, some of, but most of the time, especially with the talent that they have on the team right now, and the, some of the talent that we had back when I played, it, usually if we played well, we were going to win. And uh, it's just tough when they come out and hit you in the mouth, and it's just all how you respond to that. How you respond? How about Chip Kelly? Remember when Chip Kelly got in trouble? Uh, he got busted one year early in his tenure because he said it's just another game. And he got roundly criticized in his first season saying, it's not just another game. He said, we're just 1-0. It's a faceless opponent. Nope. He got ripped for that. He came back the, the, the year after, changed his tune. It's a Super Bowl. Every game's a Super Bowl for us. So I don't know how we can get bigger than that. That's why... When people say we diminish it, we're not diminishing. It's the biggest game we're ever going to play. So it's the biggest game ever. <laughs> it was correct. That was a 180. Corrected himself. He first said it's just another game. The next year, biggest game ever. It's the Super Bowl. He went to the other end of the spectrum <laughs> philosophically. I remember talking to him about it. He had a smile on his face. Sam's in Portland is called in. Sam, help us out. John. If you're born in Oregon, you're either a duck or a beaver. That's just the way it is. If you're born and raised here, you're, you're from here, you're one or the other. I think the thing that's been lost, this new thing I heard like 10 years ago, well, I root for the beavers when they're not playing the ducks. Well, you know what? I'm a beaver fan. I root for the ducks 
to lose every game. That's just the way it is. If you're a beaver, you root against the ducks. If you're a duck, you root against the beaver. It's nothing personal. We just don't like each other. And and that's what's been lost. I think, you know, not having the history. Some of the coaches that have come in here, they're not from here. They don't understand. People that move here, hey, I'm glad you're a duck fan. But, you know, guys our age, John, remember when the Ducks and the Beavers weren't that good. And and sometimes the only game we had to look forward to or the big win of the season was that game at the end of the year when we had bragging rights in the state of Oregon to say that we were the best in the state of Oregon. So, yeah, if you're born here, you're either a Duck or a Beaver. Plain and simple. Anybody says anything else, they're just wrong, John. Sam in Portland, is he right? 503-417-7575. If you're a Duck fan, I do want to hear from you on this topic. We'll talk about the NFL. Tom Brady, is he retiring? Is this a farewell tour? What is he doing with our emotions? I want your calls, though, first on that Duck-Beaver debate. 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.